Homestyle Green, episode 270. This week on the show, a story about moving from a villa to a very good house. G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. This is the podcast dedicated to inspiring people to make a better place to live. And it's good to be back. I've been uh, busy doing lots of other stuff and uh, it's uh, times, times run away. Uh, but thank you to the team at Proclimber who have um, given me a bit of a nudge to uh, get some more interviews recorded and uh, particularly Simon Cater who's... Um, who's hooked up um, a couple of great projects and uh, people to talk with. Starting uh, this week with a conversation we had with a a client of theirs, Richard Horton, who's built a house uh, just out of Auckland. Um, They've moved from a a large two-storey wooden villa, which was quite stunning, and I'll, I'll put some photos up so you can have a look, but um, have moved into a very modern, uh, very comfortable, n- not quite a passive house, but uh, built with air tightness in mind and very high levels of insulation, uh, good windows, and uh, well, they'll go into the details of, of what makes it uh, a much different experience living in that house and, and working there now uh, from the villa that they previously lived in. Uh, so thank you to Proclimber, thank you to Simon for helping organise this. Now uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Richard Horton. Well, uh, great to have um, Richard Horton on the show today along with Simon Cater from uh, Proclimber. Now Richard, you're a... Um, you're a you're a client, I guess we sh- we should call it. You you are experienced. Um, are you an engineer? I uh, trained doing civil engineering. Right, but uh, but primarily for this project, your um, you were the client. And give us a a bit of a, a history of the the property where you're on and and the house that used to be there. So the this uh, is a. Um, 15 hectares uh, north of Auckland and Maharangi West. Um, we had a, another property in Wainui, um, which we had our old um, 1890s two-storey villa, which we recited from Green Lane Hospital. Um, the Millwater and the likes of suburbia was creeping ever closer, um, which we wanted to sort of stay away from. And we were also um, keen to have a property where my wife could have her horses at home rather than having to graze them out because our previous property was very, very steep. And also um, we only had a couple of hectares of of land. Um, So we bought this property with uh, no no accommodation on it at all. Um, Unfortunately, we had to liquidate the, the last property to be able to do this one. Um, so we took the decision to put, um, portacoms on site and live in those for two and a half years. Well, was, was only supposed to be nine months to a year. Yeah. But, Something got uh, in the way there. With, um, building consents, resource consents, COVID, um, and, uh, extremely high prices from builders, um, it ended up being much longer and 
was just over two and a half years. Yeah, I want to. I want to pause. I, I um, start. I wanted to start there because that villa. Um, we might put some um, photos of it because it it's a stunning building, isn't it? I mean, it's did that have some uh, heritage uh, value to it? Uh, we we got away without listing it with any of the uh, heritage organisations because I think that would have limited what we're allowed to do. Right. Um, but did you have any concerns about moving away from a house that I think looks beautiful? I mean, it's a, it is a um, a classic looking two story villa. Um, were you were you sad to leave that behind? Of, absolutely. Um, we'd put fourteen years into into restoring it. Um, the the locals uh, used to refer it to to the house as the pub and the church because we had a little barn next door, right? <laughs> which which looked quite like a church. Um, yeah. And our old house looked something like the Puhoi pub. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm amazed how many people I, I meet and speak to that. Um, Actually knew it when it was out at Green Lane Hospital, just inside Gate Three. Um, just after we recited it, I got a phone call from a lady in Australia, and she said, "I understand you've got my granddad's old house." Wow! And I said, uh, "Sorry," she said, "Yeah, you've taken my granddad's old house." And I said, "Well, not sh- quite sure what you're talking about." And she said, "Well, it was out at Green Lane," and so um, I, I got to meet some of the family whose father had lived in it or grandfather had lived in it from uh, 1904 to 1919 and he came from a rather wealthy family and never worked a day in his life. Uh, He'd been sent out to convalesce in New Zealand because he had um, asthmatic problems or bronchial problems. Um, So, yeah, it was... Traced a bit of the history of the house and uh, along along the journey, which sort of added interest to to what we'd lived in. Yeah. So, what was it like in that house? I, I'm um, aside from the the beauty and the history of it, how did it feel? So, it was a, a stunning house to live in um, when the, when the four kids and my wife and I were at home. Yep. Lots of room. Kids would have parties, you know. There'd be seventeen people staying overnight, and yeah. you know, we still had plenty of room for that. And sometimes, you know, they'd put their tents up on the lawn or whatever. In the winter, freezing cold. In the yeah. summer, lovely and cool, and you know, big rooms, twelve foot stud, lovely spacious area to live in. But boy, in the winter, it, it was. Um, really, really cold, um, and that particular valley, um, which is just up from the Boira Hot Pools, um, we're eight k up the valley. In in the winter, we'd get very heavy frosts. Yeah, um, yeah. I, and I wouldn't imagine our, that would have had a lot of insulation. You mentioned you you did a little bit of renovation to it, but we, it's like double hung windows, timber floor, timber weatherboards. Yeah. So. Uh, quite often when we first moved in, um, you'd, you'd go downstairs in the morning and you'd see the steam coming out here as you spoke because the temperature inside had dropped so much. Right. Um, we did have bats or some, um, one of the sort of similar products and I'd put that in the walls. We'd um, put 
bats or some of the product in the ceiling um, to a reasonable level, and we did the um, the foil insulation under the floor a yeah. little later on, um, which did bring the temperature up probably about about eight degrees or something. Right. Yeah. So it was considerably warmer, but you know it would still drop down to sort of ten degrees in the morning or something. Go out and start the car, and it'd be one and a half degrees or half a degree outside or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. cold area because of the the shape of the valley, but, boy, could that house get cold. People so s- in in thinking about where you want you live now and, and that journey to get there, what was, what was some of the main motivations? What was your design brief for uh, a new home? So the design brief was, my wife said, I'm sick of being cold. Right. Something warm. <laughs> and uh, she, it was also, I want to live in a house that's in, sort of got an industrial agricultural look. Um, and and so that was the, the brief, I think, that I started off with. Uh, the idea of polished concrete floors or, or lots of concrete appealed. Quite happy to have you know, corrugated iron on the outside type look. Um, I did approach some of the group housing, but none of the patterns or designs really um, suited what we were after um, and also wanted to maximise the space. Um, What we've built is actually the workers' cottage. Um, Because we're on 15 hectares, we are allowed to do a main dwelling as well. Right. Um, so the workers' cottage clearly limited to us to 120 squares. If we went a meter over that, we couldn't build a main dwelling later on. Ah, right, right. But I mean, um, it's it's a it's a by substantial looking home. You know, it's it looks um, something that most people would be very happy to have as as their as their main home. Well, and that's one of the. Um, uh, sort of considerations was, you know, if we, and I don't know if we ever will build a second dwelling, um, we certainly wanted to feel warm and comfortable and, you know, maybe we build a bigger home and then rent it out and, you know, spend yeah. our retirement in this. So I think too often homes are designed just for that particular period of, of life, whereas if we could make it so that it suited us through our journey in life and you know we've still got our youngest one at home so um you know we've got our first grandchild already so you know we wanted to make sure our home suited us right through rather than sort of get to a point well no we can't work with this home anymore we need to build another one or sell up and yeah move somewhere else do you feel at all constrained by the 120 square meter limit uh, no. Um, I mean, the, the last house we had was in excess of um, 250 squares. Yeah. Um, and I think when you added the verandas on, we were, you know, 450-odd wow. square metres. Yeah. So yeah. to come down to 120, but we have designed it so that, you know, we've got Big sliding doors at the front with a yeah. with a, a deck out the front. So, you know, by the time we open that up and 
you know, we've got a living space here of a 11 metres or a bit over 11 metres by 6 metres. So, again, we're back at the similar size to the um, lounge family room we had at the last place. So, yeah. Why did you end up going with SIPs? Um, I wanted something that performed well. Um, also, I think there's a way, there are smarter ways to build. Mm-hmm. The standard stick build, you know, I, I'm aware of that there's thermal bridging problems often. Um, we I originally designed a SIPS house. The builders came back to us and said, look, we can save you thousands, thousands of dollars if we do this as a stick build. I said, okay. Had they well, done a SIP house before? I don't think they had. Right. I don't believe so. So I said, all right, price it up as um, a, a stick build then. You know, I want it airtight, so it's got to be completely um, RAB, whether that's ply or whatever system. Um, and I want a high level of insulation in it because I want the house to perform well. Yeah. Um, so and you they, gave them the, the similar you, – you basically said to them it needs to perform to the same level as a, as a SIP. As, as a SIP's house, yeah. Yeah. So they went away and priced it up and – they came back at over $6,000 a square metre. Right. And in my mind, I had sort of three, three and a half thousand. So it was, wow. you know, this ain't going to work. I can't get that sort of much money. I can't get that sort of money from the bank to build, you know, 120 squares. They just won't entertain it. But that's such an, that's interesting because they said that they could build it cheaper doing stick framing instead of SIP, which may be true, but when you give them the actual performance that you're after then it ends up which is when you compare really comparing apples to apples it ends up being uh more expensive than sip or, or about the same um i think changing back to sips because we had um gables on the the two wings of the building so i changed it to a mono pitch yeah and we have 250 close to 300,000 off the their quote wow that's um, amazing and and i wasn't convinced that you know because I, one of the questions i asked why is your price so high well there's an awful lot of labor in it yeah you know we've got all this rab to put on and you know that takes a lot of time and i thought well you know if we can decrease the amount of wastage of materials on site we can decrease the labor how do i do that Mm-hmm. And that is to have a, a system where it's panels. Um, it and, sounds and like you you went to this project fairly well um, informed and, and educated, knowing things like SIPs that even exist, so structural insulated panels. You, um, you talked about air tightness. Where did you learn all that from? Because uh, a lot of people just rely on the, on the builder to tell them how to do the, the building? Well, I, I, I guess because I've been in the construction um, industry for years and years and years, um, I've worked for companies where we've done high-rise apartments, we've I've been involved in hospitals, um, I've been involved in heavy industrial ranging from sort of nuclear power stations to um, uh, big steel mills. Um, yeah. So I've managed and 
you know, worked in uh, the super yacht industry where we built um, luxury super yachts. So I've seen a whole range of sort of buildings and um, that, and I guess doing a reasonable amount of research into it, um, watching Grand Designs, um, yeah. and also doing search what what's going on in the states, etc. Right. Um, and I thought, well, there's got to be a better way than what we're doing. Yeah. A lot of the buildings I mean, in New comparing Zealand. the the villa to this, it they're almost opposite ends of the spectrum in in every aspect. You, you've gone from a a villa with big, deep verandas to a mono pitch roof. Uh, you, you've got one story. Uh, you've gone from a timber floor to a concrete floor, um, and you've you've got very modern materials and and method, modern methods of construction in there. So it's hard to get much more different from what you were living in uh, previously. Now that you've been in the house, it's finished. Been in there for for did you say seven weeks? So you've you've seven had the weeks, start yeah. of the start of winter in there. Yep. What's it been like? It's been absolutely wonderful. Um, my wife was at work the other day and, and one of her friends said to her, don't you feel robbed not having the villa anymore? And she said, yeah. she said to her friend April, what's it like when you get home? Because April lives in a little villa. And she said, well, I'll put on my thick woolen jumper and I'd light the fire and try and warm the house up. Uh-huh. And Nina said, I walk home, walk, you know, get home, walk in the door and I'm in a beautifully warm house. Yeah. Know? Um, through the winter, I don't think the temperature has dropped below 19 degrees, um, and the hottest we've been has been 24 on a really warm day. You know, if it awesome. starts to, if it starts to get too warm, we just open a window on one side and a door on the other, and get a beautiful breeze through. And have you got you got have you got heating in there at all? No, we've got Lunos. Um, the Lunos system, which is a through-the-wall ventilation system, so. Uh, and is that because you've got no no roof cavity? Um, we we could have gone for um, one of the other systems where it's a centralised system. Um, we've got a skillion roof, so that would have meant putting a big box across to transfer yeah. the air through ducts. Yeah. I wanted something. And Lunos is a German system that they use in apartments, um, which effectively ventilates the whole house. So um, each each room has got a ventilation system to it. Um, that was the other problem we had uh, was mould in the old house. Um, yeah, this yeah. one's beautifully dry, and so it's easy to keep warm. I think in the in the whole time we've been here, we've had the heater on three times. Um, and that's been for about an hour and a half in total each time, and that's because right. you know the house has been left open a little bit too long. As the temperature's cooled, it's let the cold air in. Right. So you've just got a small heater. We've just got a small panel heater, sort of a nine hundred watt small panel heater, and that does the whole house, one hundred and twenty square meters. Yeah. Um, plus, it's a new house, so. Uh, you know, houses tend to take a few months to to dry out completely because you got that 
fully exposed concrete slab. Um, so that's even more impressive uh, going going into your first winter. Possibly, I mean, with we the slab was poured in the March last year, so oh, okay, so it's had had a little while to, um, to cure. And one of the things I'm aware with concrete is that if you're able to keep it wet or you know, surface wet for a period of time, you'll get a much harder slab. Yeah. So once the slab was poured, we I covered it with polythene, then used the, a typical garden dripper line and kept the surface of the slab uh, wet for three weeks to four weeks. Right. Um, which allowed the, the concrete, while it's only 25 MPA, it's actually strengthened up a lot from that. Yeah. Um, you got a you got a beautiful uh, polished um, finish there as well. Um, what sort of windows have you got? So they're just standard aluminium windows. I did want to go for thermally broken. Um, the window supplier came back and said we can, but your sashes, the um, window, we we don't like awning hung windows. Um, so we've gone from opening sashes. The weight of those will preclude them from being thermally broken. Right. Your right. slider stacker, the windows are too big and too heavy to be thermally broken. Your French doors, they're too big to be thermally broken. So it worked out that we would have had less than 50% of the windows in the house thermally broken, and the price increase was, um, I think, another 20000 um, Yeah. Which was... Uh, it pushed the windows from... Um, twenty-eight thousand to forty-something thousand, right? Just for right. A, a thermal break, which was about fifty percent of the windows. Yeah. Um, so I found it really hard to get the advice as to. I was told, "Yep, go for low E if you can, argon filled." So we took that choice. Was it the right thing not to go for thermally broken? No one could give me an opinion. Oh, you, you know, the the advice I got: you must have thermally broken for the house to perform we've got 53 square meters of glass in the house so it's it's a reasonable volume of glass yeah um which lets a lot of lateral natural light in and also means that we get thermal gain Um, have you experienced any condensation on the window frames a little bit very little um yeah the advice we got from um the heating company was if you crank your um, ventilation system up from one to two and because you've got four different settings you'll find that you should get that, that should get rid of all that condensation so yeah, you won't have that yeah. problem anymore so yeah. you know just step up the ventilation slightly yeah yeah interesting i i know that uh, a lot of people in my position and consultants would would definitely advocate for uh, thermally broken, and I hope that we do get to that position in the market here in New Zealand where it does become um, more cost effective as well as feasible with some of those uh, physical constraints as well. well um, I find it interesting in the UK, the premium windows are the aluminium, the cheap ones are the PVC. Yep. Here, it's yep. the other way around. Yeah, and similar in the North America as well. We just have a bit of an anomaly here with, with our aluminium um uh, history, supply and yeah. demand yeah. And, I, and the other thing that I find amazing here and New Zealand really hasn't caught on to yet 
so many countries of the world, what size window do you want? Do you want an 1800 by two meter or do you want this or this? No, yeah. I want one or that's 1850. 11... <laughs> yeah, I want one that's 1197 by. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. why can't you make a frame that suits a standard window size? Yeah. yeah. You know, you buy windows by catalogs out of a catalog. Here, every single window's got to be bespoke. Yeah. And because of that, well, we well, paid a huge premium. We'll get there. So obviously uh, windows are a very important part of the envelope. And um, Simon, you went and did a blower door test recently. How did that go? Yes, that's right, Matthew. So um, I was put in touch uh, with Richard a week or so before that by Damien from Superhome Movement. And um, we teed up a date to come out and do the blower door and um, set it all up and ran the test. And we ended up getting a figure of uh, 1.66 air changes per hour at 50 pascals, which um, I thought was pretty reasonable for being the SIP panels obviously really tight. Um, I see that Richard has used the Tescon Varna on the inside of the panels to seal all of those for air tightness. And um, the I, I believe the panels were performing really well. We had sealed up all the Lunos ventilation uh, systems, so those were all sealed up. So I can only think that the, uh, the leakage would have been um, predominantly around the doors. I think the doors, not so much the windows, but um, more the doors would have been where... Uh, most of the leakage would have been occurring through because you got a big uh, slider. Is it a triple triple slider? Triple slider, yeah. It's um, five point eight or five point six meters by two point two. So you know, it's a big piece of big window. On um, your is that on your north? It does pretty well face north here. Right, and and directly onto your polished concrete floor. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, while while the purists uh, might <laughs> might um, question the the sliding door, I can see the the advantage of getting all that solar gain, particularly in the winter time, uh, and and like you say that that heat gain that you're getting through that element. Um, and I'm, I'm well aware that you know in, in the winter in the summer months you don't want that. So we've we've got. <clears throat> recently wide eaves that overhang. Yep. yep. So while the sun's on, it's um, higher climb across the, the sky, you know, in the summer months, the sun yep. will not really hit that concrete at all. So we're hoping that that will, you know, help cool the house from, you know, nice concrete slab, not yeah. getting that heat. Um. Might come back to the slab, but just uh, while we're, we're talking some products there, Simon, uh, how how nicely does um, Exana play with 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 sips? What's the purpose of of the wraps when when you've got uh, sip panel construction? So, Matthew, the key thing around um, the sip panel uh, being an OSB surface. We want to make sure that we keep it really, really nice and dry. So 
Um, the Solitex Extasana Ad Hero has been chosen for the walls. So being a peel and stick membrane, the benefit of that is that we don't have to use any staples to fasten the product, uh, which means that we are comp- uh, keeping it completely without any penetrations other than the fastenings that go through the um, the battening system. And those we would seal up with the Tescon Nidec tape, which would basically drive through as a screw or a nail is pushed through there. It would actually seal that penetration. So the Adhero gives you a very, very good for, uh, solution for the uh, subpanels. Um, on the roof, uh, the Solitex Mento has been used and um, the Connect version was chosen. So that's really good because it's got the integrated adhesion along the edges, which allows you to connect um, those two TEEE films without the limitation of a fleece in between. So that was laid on the roof and um, the, the the builder has used our suggestion in only stapling underneath the lap, which means once again that you've got no staple fastenings um, which are exposed to moisture. So both of these two underlays are designed to be completely non-porous, which means that um, there's no chance for water to wick through such as it could with a microporous uh, membrane. So these products have been tested for up to a, a 10 meter water column pressure. And um, so that's, it's offering a really good solution for keeping those sips well preserved over time. And the thing I like, I like about the design, because uh, I, I, previously I haven't been a fan of flattish roofs, um, and there is a patch there. What's the what's the gradient on the on the roof there, Richard? Three degrees. So, so it's, it's it's pretty flat. It's not <laughs> but, not not steep at all. No, but it's it's you've got enough. Um, but because of the way that the the mento on the roof folds over and sticks directly to the exosana, you've got a completely sealed. Uh, box a, a weather resistive box and then the roof is just essentially sitting on top of that to keep the rain off um, which is is very hard to do on a a, tr- a typical truss roof design to get the weather tightness membrane of the roof so well attached to the weather tightness of the walls and then um, you know following that all the way down through to the floor so um, in that regard I am quite a fan of of that um roof style and and the pitch as long as it's enough to shed the water it doesn't really matter because the the heavy lifting of keeping it warm and dry is being done by the um the panel and the membrane so our, our roof panels are an r value of seven and our walls are, are 4.5 um the concrete so, so you're already, you're already uh good to go with uh updated <laughs> h1 you're, you're already there absolutely <laughs> And and the um, floor slab, well, we we went for um, quick set, um, which gives us uh, insulated edge protection, and also under the slab, we went for the Cupulex um, 
pods, which are made out of a recycled plastic made in New Zealand. They they also do a Q-pod, which was the alternate system we could have used. So we yep. get a, a, an R rating out of the floor of 3.4 opposed to um, 1.3, I think it is, for a standard concrete slab. Um, and, and critically, you've got that air, that insulated edge all the way around. Correct. And one of the things that the builder noticed was um, often on the jobs he works on, you know, when the slabs got wet, it'll take days to dry out. This one was producing that or retaining that much heat that often the same day most of the slab would have dried. Yeah. The other thing now, that was quite amazing um, – because the question was, do we need to saw cut it? Typically, you'd saw cut in a grid of about three metres by three metres. Mm. So we're 13.2 metres across and the longest panel is 14. We haven't got a single saw cut and we haven't got a single crack to date. So the slab's wow. been down a year, coming up for a year and a half and we've still got no cracking at all. So nice, stable temperature. Probably um, your attention to looking after it in the curing process um, probably assisted with that as well, I, I would imagine. Uh, I imagine so. And, you know, the, one of the, you know, when the, pour, the slab was being poured, we told the contractor it is a polished concrete floor slab. So they said, okay, we won't over-vibrate it, so we won't bring all the fines up and drop all the big stones down. So that's why we've also managed to get the beautiful right. dappled effect of the of the grinding. Nice, nice. Um, anything that you'd do differently next time? Um, if I could have afforded the premium windows, then we would have gone for that. Mm. Um, we Because we already had a consented plan for the stick build, we ended up going down the path of if, as long as we could do an identical floor pan, it meant that um, while the – and the challenge there was if we poured the slab and got that signed off, then we could do that with it, but it meant that we had to submit the plans after that. Right. Um as we all know, a building incent takes four weeks to process through the council. Uh, no, unfortunately not. It was about four months, which in hindsight probably would have given us time to import windows from Poland or wherever. Yeah, you know. right. Yeah. But because we'd already done a considerable amount of time at Portacoms, the other part of the focus was how quickly can we get in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's um, not much fun. I got a couple of winters. Yeah. And and then the challenge was we, the day we stood half the walls, the following day we went back into lockdown. Oh my gosh! I was going to ask you about how long it took to get the the walls up. Um, so if we talk about number of days to actually stand the walls, and it was two. If we talk about the amount of time that elapsed, then it was thirty-two. Right. You had a month in the middle there, um, and they they survived that. They were okay. They were. I covered them all in polythene. Um, right. I did manage to get MB to agree. Um, my son's trampoline was on the front lawn, and we had a storm that blew through, 
and the excuse me the tramp ended up getting blown 200 meters across into the adjacent paddock wow and i knew if we had another storm like that the panels could easily get lifted up and thrown across as well yeah so yeah. mb agreed on the grounds of health and safety that um we could get the builders back so right. we did right yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, normally in normal times, that's one of the, one of the many advantages of SIPs is is getting the thing up. Um, and if you take out the thirty days in the middle, or two days to to erect all of the uh, the walls, uh, and and be a good way to be enclosed in, because then you've just got the the window cutouts are already there. Um, is pretty impressive. Uh, you know, it doesn't take much to think that you could then. Uh, get the roof on and and get it all closed in pretty pretty swiftly. So the roof panels were were two days. Yeah. Um, yeah. Each of the builders, sort of the decent sized guys, at around a hundred kgs each. We had four of them standing up there once the roof was on, no deflection at all. Yeah. Um, you know, the the keynote that they when they did the this um, prepared the the bottom plate for receiving the walls was that attention to detail needed to be yeah. exact. Um, Quickset were extremely accurate with their um, setting up of the concrete slab, very very level. The builders probably spent a day longer doing the bottom plate than they would on a normal stick build. Meant the panels right. just slotted straight in, um, right? And you know, because of the um, the way the panels go together, you end up with a very accurate um, result. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of the commercial buildings that I've been involved in, you know, we, you know, the attention to detail is just not there. Walls yeah. are plumbed by twenty twenty five mil, uh, and how how do you get away with that? You know, it's unacceptable. Yeah, well, I guess it's a it's a different mentality as well as a different method, isn't it? When you get yeah. stick frame, you can just knock things into shape, and, and it doesn't matter if it's not square. But if it's coming already pre made and it is square, then the thing that you're putting it on has to be uh, very square to start with. So a little Absolutely. bit more time up front, and it all goes smoothly later on. And also it meant that, um, you know, being aware of things like um, PowerPoint services on internal walls, avoid where possible putting them into the SIPs panels. So each of the rooms has, has a battened wall, but only right. one battened wall because, you know, the extra 20 mil you lose all the way around the, not a huge amount, but... By the time you've gone right around the entire building and taken another twenty mil off, off your, on all walls, you know you've you've lost a bit more space. So, wanted to maximise the space. So you've um, essentially got a wall, de- one wall in, in through the house dedicated to running all your services. Correct. Um, right. Things like you know, spoke to the. Um, Sparky and said, "You know, what's? Why don't we put a subboard on the other side? So we'll run all the wires on that side from there, and run the wires on the other side from." And he said, "Yeah, great idea." 
So, you know, instead of hundreds of wires or you know, many wires running across through the ceiling void, there's one main cable that feeds the subboard on the other side of the house. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just finally back to timing, Simon, a job like that, uh, how long would you expect to, to take to wrap it with Adhero and, and the mentor on the roof? Uh, Matthew, I think it's a pretty straightforward job. Um, if you've got people that are experienced with installing the peel and stick wrap, um, there obviously is a little bit of extra effort in removing the backing paper and it's probably better to go with three people installing that product so that you can get it nice and neatly applied. And the important thing with the peel and stick is to press it down nicely, either with our PressFix XL or with a, a roller. Um, key thing is to get good adhesion. Um, but I think it's well worth the extra time spent uh, to achieve a completely weather tight, um, weather resistive barrier behind that cladding system. Um, would you get that done in a day on a on a job like that um, around the walls, Richard? Perhaps you can give us an idea of what time it actually took. It was about a day on the roof, but probably a couple of days on the walls. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this, the site we're on, we're exposed to the wind direction from every direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nice views. Oh, absolutely stunning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which did mean that, you know, on the really windy days that, you know, I don't think you'd be wanting to um, probably apply the same with any building wrap on a windy day. It's a pig of a thing to put on. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Hey, well, uh, thank you, um, both of you. Thanks for uh, letting us give a have a bit of insight into your experience uh richard i it's great to see um stories like this success stories i assume it's it's successful it sounds like it it's uh worked well so far and um hopefully will continue to work well for you and your family um and also simon thank you for um for arranging to uh for us to get together and uh and I know that you guys do a lot of, of helping on projects like this. I think it's a really good example of a project that is still pushing the boundaries, that that situation where you're educating uh, some of the builders and, and tradespeople on site, Richard, I think is um, is great. And hopefully we'll get to a point where um, the industry starts getting more expertise in, in this type of construction and that'll be a benefit to everyone. So um, thank you to both of you. Well, thank you. Thank you, Matthew. And um, I think at the end of the day, just to add a last point there, Richard, I think you've achieved a really, really high-performing house. And at the same time, you've come in um, reasonably close to the budget that you were hoping to achieve there. So um, I'll take my hat off to you. Thank you. Richard Horton there, who is the the owner and the client in that case, uh, now living and enjoying a, a very good home after uh, after living for a long time in, a, in an older villa. Um, the one of the great places to go to look up some photos and and some of the backstory uh, of Richard is actually uh, healthyhome.kiwi, which has a, a profile page of the Horton Healthy Home. Now, healthyhome.kiwi is the site of uh, Damien 
um, who Damien McGill, who I will be interviewing next week on the show, uh, once again with uh, Simon Cater as well. So um, a nice connection there. Uh, but check that out. Uh, if you go to healthyhome.kiwi and uh, look up Horton Healthy Home, you'll find some some stunning images and a bit of a, a backstory uh, about the project in Maharangi West. All right, that's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening in. Uh, love to hear from you as well. Uh, it's been a while, so uh, you can get in touch with me, Matthew at homestylegreen.com. And uh, looking forward to bringing you another few episodes of some great uh, great examples of some, some really good homes being built. Thanks very much for listening in. Now go make a better place to live.